0: So set yourself a goal, of walking a certain amount of steps a day, and why not try doing that together with others? Uh, or try a home workout on YouTube, for example. Or thirdly, when you do, go out for a walk. Also, you know, put some headphones on, listen to maybe a Christian podcast or some, some Christian music that you enjoy as well. So those, those are the ideas that, that we can do this, this week and going on. Uh, into the weeks to come to encourage ourselves to make time to be active. Nowadays, we, we know the importance of physical exercise for our well-being. It, of course, it's important for our physical health, but not only that, we now understand its importance for our mental well-being as well. Uh, we understand nowadays that the physical is connected to the mental, and that actual, actually physical activity does wonderful things for our brain uh, for our thinking for our emotions and for the way that our bodies regulate how we feel and that's why if you speak to a doctor for example about stress or depression or anxiety they will encourage you to get regular exercise and that's because it is proven to help our mental state now, I think it's really good that we now understand this even more scientifically because it gets us back to a more integrated understanding of who God created us to be. Uh, being active is as much about our emotional well-being as it is about keeping our muscles and bones and heart healthy. And therefore, it's I think actually being active, it, physically active is relevant for our journey of faith as well. It would be a mistake to think that spiritual and physical are two separate things. Our physical life is very much part of our faith and our spirituality. Now, unfortunately, there have been times in history when religious thinking has not understood that very well and has tended to divide up the human person into completely separate And supposedly unrelated aspects of physical and spiritual and they were thought to have very little really to do with each other sometimes they were even thought to be at odds with each other and the body and the soul the physical and the spiritual were sometimes thought of as completely either disconnected or incompatible even with one being important but the other unimportant And that even led to this sort of wrong idea that anything physical, carnal, is inherently bad or evil. Whereas the inner spiritual life, that's what's good, and that's what's worthwhile and holy and that we should be concentrating on. And so it had been said in times past that our hope is therefore surely to escape the prison of the body and to get to some sort of higher, purer spiritual existence. And sometimes even the Bible was used to kind of support that kind of divided view of who we are. Now the problem there is not so much the language of body and soul. The problem is when the two are completely separated. Now we know nowadays that actually that's impossible to just separate those aspects of who we are. You cannot divide the human person up in that way. Everything's connected. And the Bible actually, I think, knows that too. Uh, The word spiritual in the Bible does not mean non-physical. It doesn't mean that. It simply means of the spirit of God. And that has as much to do with our physical life as any other part of our life. When God created us, He created us physical beings, and that was not a mistake. Uh, You know, God meant for life to be physical life. And remember in Genesis, you know, this wonderful idea that when God looked at the physical world and the physical creatures and particularly the physical human beings that he had made, he saw, it says he saw that it was very good. Not the physical you know, the the not the physical's not good, but the non-physical is very good. No, he saw altogether it is very good. The word that we translate soul in the Old Testament, nephesh in Hebrew, it literally means neck or throat. And sometimes actually that's literally what it refers to. But more often than not, this word refers to life itself, more broadly speaking. Uh, but it it encompasses every single aspect of life. So it's a word that encompasses the physical and the non-physicalness of of life all in one go. So yes, of course, when we think of soul in the Bible, it does indeed tell us that there is more to us than just the physical. In Genesis, uh, the word is used when God's breath enters us. You know, God's breath or spirit God's life runs through us in some profound way. That is soul, you know. But the word also refers to the neck, the throat, the physical place where the breath of life is. So this word, this important word in the the Bible, actually refers to both the tangible and the intangible aspects of life that we live. Soul runs through every bit of who you are, the physical as well because soul describes life itself in all its mystery and in all its seenness and the things you can touch. So if God is saving our souls, as he is, that means he's saving physical life too. When God sent his son Jesus to save us from sin and death, Jesus came to us in a body, in flesh, in human flesh. He was born of a woman, amniotic fluid all over the place, covered in vernix when he was born, gasping his first breath of air into lungs, Jesus was. He, was, he cried tears despite what some of the Christmas things say. He cried tears, he, he fed and did all the other things that babies do. And he was the perfect Messiah, remember. He was the son of God and he was born in a human body with hands and feet and lungs and face and blood and tears and every single part of physical life that you and I know too. And that wasn't just temporary either. After Jesus died for us on the cross, taking away all our sin, taking away anything that might keep us from God, anything that might stand between you and God and his life, having died to deal with all of that once and for all, so you don't have to worry about it. Jesus then rose from the dead, and he rose in a physical, bodily resurrection. He went to his disciples and said, look at my hands, come and touch my side, he said. It is me, I'm not an apparition. And then he did things like eating with them, and drinking, very physical things that the risen Jesus did as well. And actually we're told in the New Testament that Jesus's resurrection is the first fruit or the foretaste of our resurrection one day after we've died. So physical human life is not just something temporary. It's not just pertaining to the present world and the present life only. No, Jesus's resurrection, his bodily resurrection tells us that physical life will be permanent. It will be made new and that's a great comfort if you struggle physically now. I was very conscious when I was preparing today that for some of you here, or maybe if there are some on Zoom as well, actually talking about being physically active might be a difficult thing for you because you wish you could do more, but you can't. Well, be encouraged that Christ's salvation will be a physical salvation too, and one day all those ailments that haven't been healed in this life will be healed, amended, and restored in the life to come. Because in the resurrection of the dead, just like when Christ rose, when we are raised in Christ, physical life will describe the new heavens and the new earth. And and, and it will be a physical risen life that we will know in Christ, and we will enjoy together with Christ who is risen. So in Romans chapter eight, the Apostle Paul talks about what we long for. And he says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, he says, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. And then if we pause and thought, oh, well, what does that mean? We might all sorts of answers, but Paul says it means this the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Our hope is not some disembodied existence, wispy souls on clouds or whatever. Our hope, along with all creation, Paul says, is that physical life too, in the end, and our physical bodies will experience a redemption a risenness, a renewing, a freeing and healing and newness in resurrection. And that, as I say, is a great comfort for some of you who actually, you'd love to do more physically, but you can't right now. Well, press on in Christ. So, as we know scientifically, every bit of us is connected. Our inner, emotional, mental, faith, life, and our physical. It is all connected. It all makes up what it means to be human and God incorporates all of it, both in creation at the beginning, but also in his new creation in Christ. And that is why being active is not just important for us medically or biologically. It's not just important physically. I think being active is emotionally and spiritually important too. It's not just a biological thing, it's a theological thing too. Our physical lives are a very real part of the life of faith, a very real part of God's grace to us and the blessing that he wants us to know. As the video we just watched, it quoted from the New Testament, which says our bodies too are temples of God's spirit and we can honor God with our bodies, with our physicalness. Just think about Jesus himself and how the gospels tell us that he was, uh, the spirit lived within Christ without limit. The spirit there in in a physical person, Jesus. In other words, by, by the grace of God, his spirit can fill our human bodies in every sense physical and non-physical. Just as our inner life is being filled and healed in Christ, so too God redeems our physical struggles too. Now one of the most popular and enjoyable and accessible forms of exercise is walking. And there's something very special about walking because it not only moves our bodies, I think walking also connects us outdoors with the air that we breathe, connects us with our surroundings, uh, physically, mentally, spatially, it does that. Uh, Walking connects us to the earth, to the life around us, you know, trees and plants and birds and animals of other kinds. And as we walk, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because it brings together sights and sounds and touch and smell and perspective and the heart beating and the breath we breathe, all as we physically exercise our bodies. And if you're walking with other people, it also connects us to each other. We were going to go for a walk this afternoon, but the rain is forecast. So we'll do it, we'll put it off till next Sunday. And I had forgotten it was Father's Day as well. So some of you probably have plans anyway. Um, But walking, I love the fact that in the Bible... God sometimes talks about himself walking together with us, kind of joining us in the physical enjoyment and goodness of walking. It reminds us, I think, that God is present in the physical realities of our place and our time and the direction we're traveling in. God is not just in the non-physical. He's not just in heavenly experiences. He's not just in those transcendent moments in church, as wonderful as they are, God is very much there in the walking, in the physical steps you take, in the down-to-earth, tangible, everyday realities, the ordinary, as well as the extraordinary. God walks with us. So in the Garden of Eden story in Genesis three, God is seen walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he calls to the man and woman because he wants to walk with them. Where are you, he says, it's time for our walk. Now, Eden depicts the world in communion with God. And I love the fact that the depiction of life in communion with God there in Genesis is God joining us for a walk in a garden. I love that. You know, it's not lofty heavenly angelic choirs and that can be wonderful too, of course, don't get me wrong, but in the day-to-day life of Eden, it was going for a walk with God at the end of the day. And I like that. Later on in Genesis, we read of a man called Enoch, who also we're told walked with God, so much so that death didn't seem to touch him. He just kept on walking with God here and then beyond here, and walking with God, clearly, there is a phrase about companionship. You know, we progress, we experience life in all its real ways. Enoch walked with God as he did so. Later still, the Israelites, they were walking the very long and tiring journey through the wilderness, but God was often seen to be accompanying them in that journey. For example, he traveled in cloud and fire at the beginning, or he was kind of walking and and resting and walking and resting with them in the tabernacle that traveled with them. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul speaks of Christ, the rock, and he says he accompanied them all the way along that journey. In the Psalms, you have the image of God walking with us as a shepherd leading his sheep leading both beside the still waters and green pastures, but also through the valleys so that we'll safely come through, even through death. Now, the poetry there, of course, is metaphor. Of course it is, but it's also about the very physical, real realities, the joys and the rests, the struggles and the triumphs of life. And then in the New Testament, just just finally, we have a wonderful passage that Lorna read for us earlier in Luke 24 which actually has a number of links back to Genesis 3 and the Garden of Eden. Uh, Remember Adam and Eve, the couple in Eden, and God comes to join them walking. Well, in Luke 24, another couple are walking along, and this time the risen Jesus joins them and walks with them on their journey towards the end of the day, much like in Genesis 3. But this time there's a difference. Whereas Genesis 3 spoke of Adam and Eve's eyes being opened, it says, and they saw their nakedness and they felt ashamed. In Luke 24, very similar words are used, but this time something's changed. Luke 24 says that when Jesus broke bread and gave it to them, their eyes were opened, it says, and they saw it was Jesus. Their eyes too were opened but they saw this time, not their shame and nakedness, they saw Jesus, their risen savior. And I think it's like, it's as if Luke is telling us there that life in communion with God, Eden, has been restored in Christ for us. Our eyes today can be opened and instead of eating fruit that we shouldn't eat, you know, like Genesis three, Christ now gives us the bread of life. Which is Himself, of course, which we can eat and live, not die, but live. Our eyes are opened and we realize Jesus is there walking with us as a Saviour along life's way. So as you make time to be active, understand how important that is for your physical well being, but also emotional, mental, and spiritual well being. Remember that all of it is part of who God created us to be. It's all part of what life is about. So physical things are worth doing. And God loves to see us put down the paperwork for a a minute, you know, put work to one side, just get up and move and refresh our bodies if we're able to. God loves that, he wants that for us. Don't feel guilty about having a break to go and walk or Run or whatever, ride a bike, whatever you like to do. And as you do that, as you exercise your body, remember that that is as much part of your faith and spirituality as anything else is. I really believe that. It's not unimportant. It's part of living and learning and experiencing the goodness and glory of God. So in a very real sense, God walks with you in those physical times of blessing as much as in the non-physical. You know, when you go for a walk, think of God is there and he shows you things if you open your eyes all around you. And of course, one day looking even further ahead, like Paul did in Romans eight, one day in the resurrection from the dead, our eyes will be opened even more and we will see the face of Christ and we will see him physically again with us forevermore our bodies then will have been made new our wounds will have been healed and jesus will walk with us then in a whole new eden that will fill the earth